0: of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Impressive, most impressive.
1: Seeing you people wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. talk to God, let's go see him together. Claire Lambert, I want to get the hell out of here. Oh
0: God, it's moving right towards
1: you. Uh. Move! Get out of there! Moving you! Move! <laughs>
0: say in space no one can hear you scream. A category gut busting movie chosen by my co-host. We're making movies great again. The original 1979 Alien. I'm Sebastian Gorka and Mr. Reagan Chris Coles. Let's start with your choice. You chose this movie. Why did you choose
1: Ridley Scott's Alien? You may not believe this. This is I have never seen it straight through. I I do not. I've never seen Alien. I've never seen Alien from beginning to end before. Before what? Before before you chose it for this show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why did you choose it? <laughs> well, I've se- I've seen most of it right when it has come on the television, but I've never seen the sort of like uncut television. You know, ver- you know the theatrical version from beginning to end. I wanted to see it from beginning to end. You know, it is really a masterpiece. I mean, it is a masterpiece. When you watch it from beginning to end, it's a little bit slow-paced. I don't know if every young person today will be able to appreciate this film. Look at look at the pacing here. This is the opening
0: and just the subtlety of the individual letters being built over time. This is not an MCU, you know, universe movie. This is a very different age, isn't it, Chris?
1: Yeah, and and, you know, no one had seen anything that looked anything like this film before this. I don't know if everybody always remembers that this is 1979. This isn't even the 80s yet. Right. (laughs) But it is a very 80s feeling film. And I think to some degree it's because this sort of set the standard of what a film should be like in that era. Um, But what's interesting is if you compare it to say Star Wars, Star Wars is a much faster paced film. Star Wars is a much bigger film. It's a grander film. It's yeah. a bigger scale. You know, you've got space battles. You've got a full galaxy that you're dealing with, multiple planets. This film is a very small film when you think about it. It all takes place in one small space, a bit like Die Hard, right? Right. And <clears throat> but even Die Hard is a full building. This is just this one ship, basically. I mean, they do land on a planet and you know they uh, explore no, but another. No, the drama happens, happens. on the Nostradamus. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's a small, it's a small film in terms of like location, um, but it it is so perfect. Everything is precision. You know when they have when they have these characters examine the egg, for instance. Um, that's how how a human being would do it. You would be like, wow, this is fascinating. Let me let me have a look at this, right? And so everything, although it you you take a lot of time to examine every little detail. Every little detail is fascinating enough to warrant that time spent on it.
0: Now let's start with the question that kind of troubles me to this day. I mean, th- this is so much fun that we do this. We were caught in the new um, series on The Godfather, The Office. So last night, my wife and I watched three episodes of that back to back. So I only watched Alien again this morning. I mean, what kind of a job is that? After breakfast, I got to watch Alien preparing for the show. I, I
1: actually did the same thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did the same. Great, great minds. But but the first thing that's kind of peculiar and. I love Ridley Scott. My favorite movie of all time is Blade Runner. And, and this man's eyes is, is majestic. But it's a category busting movie because it's sci fi, but it's also horror. And the weird thing for me is, I don't watch horror movies. I, I don't like horror movies, right? Not my bag, right? But Dang. this. This is just so well made. It's so compelling. The acting, the what you said, the tightness, the performances. It's it's not a schlock horror movie, is it?
1: No, and you know the the performances uh, need to be noted here. I don't normally care that much about the acting, but <clears throat> I don't know what it is about the way Ridley Scott directs an actor. Uh, but I mentioned this in a previous film. I think it was uh, I think it was either Die Hard or Lethal Weapon. There is a sort of cavalier attitude that the actors tend to have. You can see it in something like The Magnificent Seven. There is a kind of acting where the actors just sort of – you know, they just act like normal people. You have have certain – like acting today is often, in films and television, is often very intentional. Everybody's saying something in a way that's very clear so that the audience understands. It's almost theatrical. Uh, but this is not like that this is this when I was acting you know i, I wasn 't a particularly successful actor, but when I was acting in Hollywood, this is the kind of acting that I liked to do, right where I would just uh, almost throw away lines you uh, would, Are you
0: saying it 's more organic or believable yes. what, what is it about this kind of approach
1: yeah there 's nothing you 're not trying to necessarily be clear to the audience with everything you say you 're not trying to pre- perform. You know, per se, you're trying to act as if you would you were really there. And this is how you're acting. Maybe you mumble a line. Maybe it's not that clear to the audience, but that's how you'd say it in real life, you know. And what's really weird is, is so much of this filmmaking was dirty. There was instances when like somebody wasn't mic properly, you could barely hear them. Yeah, there were a lot of like lens flares, there was shaky camera, it was incredibly dark in 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 places, but it added to the naturalistic nature of the project. And certainly, that kind of acting was was quite popular, I believe, in the seventies, and that's where this film draws. I think you know a lot of that from. It's just like that's how it was done in the 70s. And I and I miss it. I wish I wish acting was more like that today.
0: Yeah. And and, you know, all the people talking over each other, um, mm. they, they said this is, you know, truckers in space and they they're yeah. believable. I'm sorry. Yafit Koto, Harry Dean Stanton. These guys could be truck drivers on long haul rigs, you know, driving you know, across America, you know, driving as our regular caller call Franco does, driving your know, 18 wheelers full of liquid eggs across America. This this could be them. Um, talk to us about the performances. What, what stands out to you? Great names. Tom Skerritt. You know, seriously underutilized actor. Uh, the the breakout uh, moment for for Ripley, Yaffet, Dean Stanton,
1: on and on and on. What what kind of stands out for you, Chris? You know what's interesting is like w- the first part of the film. You believe that Tom Skerritt, the captain of the Nostromo, he's the hero. Yeah, right. He's the hero. He's the one in charge. He's the he's the real badass. He's the tough one. He's the strong one. If anybody's going to kill this, you know, alien it's going to be him right and then he dies yeah <laughs> and you're like well crap you know what are we going to do now and i don't think ripley was a particularly likable character at the beginning of the movie she was a rule you know she follower. was by the book she was yeah. you know unsympathetic yeah yeah and and you know what was great about that is they didn't make her the tough character they made her the a weaker character and making her a woman was actually kind of lucky because i read that they didn't they had originally written a, a man, but Fox had been casting women in, in lead roles in a few projects and they thought, oh, this is kind of trendy now. We'll, we'll make it a woman. And I think that vulnerability, like there's moments when she's just bawling, crying, you know, yeah. freaking out, shaking. you know, and shaking, yeah, shaking. And and she, she really turned the performance into a much more feminine character, uh, you know, you know, through the use of her performance and and. Sold it. I mean, I believe that that this character, you know, I wouldn't have guessed it was written as a man, no, unless I unless I knew that. And, and at Just, the end,
0: it, we'll 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 walk through the the key scenes, but at the end. You know, when she is surprised by the alien she thinks has been blown up. I mean, that that fear when she's getting on the yeah. spacesuit, it is palpable. It's real. It comes through the screen. We're talking to my buddy, Mr. Reagan, Chris Coles. Follow him, Alpha Critic. Also, the YouTube channel, Mr. Reagan. On Twitter, at Mr. Reagan USA. I'm Sebastian Gorka. We have only just begun to make movies great again. This time, it's the original 1979 Alien. If you enjoy our show, don't forget to subscribe. Go to Spotify. Plug in your name. Your name? No, plug in my name. That would be weird. Sebastian Gorka, America First. It's absolutely free. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends. And don't forget all the amazing America First gear at Sebastian uh, at sebgorka.com. We need something that's movie-related. I think we'll have to make that T-shirt of Making Movies Great Again, uh, that, that logo into a T-shirt. Right now, hottest selling item, the FBI T-shirt. Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. Tell the feds what you think of them. So much more. All made in America. Seb Gorkastore.com. That's S E B G O R K A. Seb Gorkastore.com. Got on the scales again today. I've lost another two and a half pounds. Guys, that's, that's beyond my wildest dream. I'm pushing 35 pounds I've lost in less than three months. How? Because her PhD, Weight Loss and Nutrition System, is super easy. No calorie counting, no stupid starvation diets, and no craves. It's the easiest, it's the only diet I've been on ever that truly works. 20 years of trying to lose the weight. I'm now within striking distance of my target weight. My wife is ecstatic. And even Mike Gallagher, he's lost 50 pounds. Find out for yourself. It's an amazing system. Please call 828-552-3333. Book your first consultation. Their advisors stick with you through the whole process. They talk to you every week. It really, really works. I have not felt this good in over 20 years. That's 828 828- Five five two three 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 three, or just go to their website, myphdweightloss.com. That's myphdweightloss.com. You will not regret it. All right. Let's continue discussing uh, the performances. Uh, I think one that really stands out amongst the others is Ian Holm, who, for me, as a kid, was actually uh, the Hobbit. He was Bilbo Baggins from the BBC radio play. So to see him playing this uh, thing, Ash, let's let's play the the uh, sound uh, clip of Ash. This is a standout performance for me. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it. I admire its purity. A survivor. unclouded by conscience. Delusions of morality. Unclouded by delusions
1: of morality. That is pretty much an A-game, isn't it, Chris? Oh, my. I mean, the script is <clears throat> perfection, really perfection. And that character, the, the sort of milky white substance that's coming out of him instead of blood, I remember when I first saw that when I was a kid, it really freaked me out. I mean, this was... But, but that first know, moment, people...
0: that first moment where he ambushes her in Mother, right? And then afterwards locks the door and just that one drip of the yes. white fluid comes out of his forehead as his starting you near know, the circuits internally are starting to fry. I mean, that, that is quite an intensity. And then who thought of this? trying to suffocate a
1: woman with that phallic symbol of the rolled up magazine pretty intense dude well i didn't think of the phallic nature of it but uh yeah i suppose that's true no i i uh look i like the gritty nature of it there's a there's a film called uh uh what is it called i think it's called torn curtain or something like that it, it was a hitchcock film yeah. hitchcock decided that he was going to create a a scene in which he showed the difficulty of killing a man and it was one of the most intense murder scenes that I've ever seen. It was like this intense struggle between two men. This is kind of what you see here, right? In this scene where he's trying to kill Ripley, everybody else come. Well, the other, the other two people that are still alive, come, come to her rescue and they're trying to tear this robot off her, but he's obviously got this superhuman strength and it's such a struggle to get this guy. And it's dirty, right? It's not clean. In in mo- most in modern movies, a fight scene is pretty well choreographed. It's pretty clean. This is rough. This is ugly. Well, yeah, r- r- ripping messy. her like hair, real.
0: right? That clump yeah. of hair at the beginning. And then when when Rian home grabs Yafit koto's peck and just squeezes and you see that yeah. pain on Yafit's face. This is not your usual fight scene.
1: Yeah, and then the baseball bat – taking his head off i mean that is a shocking moment you know but it's still moving around you know and it's just so creepy so many brilliant surprises so many brilliant moments in this film uh the design of everything the design of the robot is is amazing uh but the i think the crux really is the design of the alien yeah when you – you know, the, I think that they knew they had something magnificent when they got that original alien design, and I think that's why they put so much effort into this project. I think you know starting out – like when I started my YouTube channel, I was like, okay, this is going to be successful. I knew it like immediately when I thought to do it, and so that inspired me to put a lot of effort into it. I think the same thing is true here. I think when they had the script, when they got that alien design, they said, okay, we've got a winner here. Let's bring in. Let's try to like. And I think everybody that was working on that project knew it was going to be a success, and they put in every bit of effort they could.
0: Right. Well, you know, for the for the backstory, I, I watched a making of documentary as well. So this this thing is born because of Dan O'Bannon helping John Carpenter in this super cheap comedy science fiction movie Dark star that utterly flops and he 's horrified. he goes to the movie theater. the author watches nobody laugh at it. The whole thing crash and burns and then he says okay i 'm going to flip it i 'm going to go from sci fi comedy to sci fi horror and then they have this idea of of the chest burster and then and then what happens is this, this this unforeseen confluence of h r Giga, this weird sexually obsessed, clearly from his imagery, Swiss artist, who is so obsessed. I mean, his imagery that becomes the imagery of the xenomorph, in the making of documentary that I kind of forgot, this guy who, you know, if you're the designer, you paint a few pictures and then you sell them to the studio. This guy was on the set
1: sculpting. He was on the set molding. This guy was in it the whole time obsessed with getting it right. Yeah, and when you can get somebody of that caliber, come in and put that much effort into something, this is the result, you know what I mean? I just don't think that we have the same like uh, caliber of artistry in pictures today, just because there's so many projects being made at once, right? Let's say one project wants a great art director, okay, they get them. The next project wants a great cinematographer. Back then, you had so few big-budget projects made that when you got one, it was possible to get uh, you know the best of the best in a variety of areas, and they, I think they just got... In in some ways, they just got incredibly lucky with this picture, incredibly lucky.
0: Yeah, because you add to that, you, you've got the incredible music. You've got uh, uh, Carlo Rimbaldi, who does the mechanism of that you know, internal jaw, works on the head of it. Then you've got this Nigerian guy, um, what is he, like this seven-foot Bolaji Badejo, who they see drinking in a pub in England, and they say yeah. – you're a bit tall and skinny. You'd make a great alien. Do you want to work in the movies? Yeah, here we go. This is the stuff that
1: uh, it's just, you know, the fates smile on this movie, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I do think the fates certainly smiled on it. And, and like I said, I do think everybody just put every ounce of effort they possibly had into producing. And, you know, there is a nice balance in many ways to this p- picture, right? It's an outer space, it's a completely artificial environment. Uh, and the way that they did the the spaceship and everything looks phenomenal. But then you've got so much that's organic. Like we were talking about, the acting is very organic, very natural. And the alien is very organic and very natural. But the cinematography also very natural and organic. Like I said, it was dirty. You know, you had these lens flares and everything and the, the shaky camera and, and how dark it was. You see how wet it is here, and everything—it's—it's it's like everything's a little bit dirty, everything's a little bit grungy. But which, but which is weird. Why, why is
0: there water dripping from yeah. the roof
1: inside a spaceship? But you don't care. You don't care because no. it looks cool. It looks cool, and you need that balance. You need that balance of the artificial and the organic, uh, and and it really sells it. And it's it's a bizarre mise en scène. It's a bizarre feeling that you get from this film, unlike anything else that came before it. Uh, now I think the reason I think that people maybe can't appreciate it now, people who are born, you know, in the last twenty years or something, is is because this was such an iconic picture that it influenced everything that came after right. it. So you right. will see so many things that look like Alien. It's like Blade Runner, this was right? Really H- how many movies time?
0: after Blade Runner were the overpopulated city with the neon lights in the rain? You know, I mean, it's just, you yeah. create a style and then everybody apes it afterwards. This exactly. is making movies great again. The movie is 1979's Alien with me, Sebastian Gorka, my co-host, Chris Coles, the Mr. Reagan channel on YouTube. You better subscribe right now. Also, the Alpha Critic. Follow him on Twitter at Mister USA. If you enjoy our products here follow me on social media we're on all the platforms that matter truth social twitter facebook instagram parlor get a telegram cloud hub you can watch us we are a televisual extravaganza at salemnewschannel.com and lastly my personal Substack, stack sebastian that's my whole name one word sebastian do it today and you'll never miss a nanosecond of our amazing content my pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build My Pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, my buddy, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back to my listeners. The Percal bedsheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly eighty nine ninety eight, but now for you, just thirty nine dollars and ninety eight cents with your listener promo. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percal sheets are breathable and have. A a cool crisp feel they come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee don't miss out on this incredible offer it's a limited supply so be sure to order now call 1-800-829-8468 promo code gorka or just go to mypillow.com click on the radio list square and plug in g-o-r-k-a that's 1-800-829-8468 or mypillow.com code gorka All right, one guy we haven't mentioned as of yet, Chris, and uh, we have to doff our caps to the fact that he was, you know, lying in a back-breaking position through a table for, you know, days on end with things bursting out of his fake chest, and that is, of course, uh, John Hurt. So John Hurt, this chest-burster scene, allegedly the crew, the actors, weren't told what was going to happen. So when Veronica Cartwright gets sprayed with fake blood and she screams... That's Veronica Cartwright screaming because she didn't expect to be sprayed in the face. How much of the success of this movie is down to Hurt and the Chest Burster scene?
1: That's a great question because it's such an iconic scene. I think we forget the impact of that moment at the time. But the reality is there are so many iconic moments in this picture. And there's like – just look at the design of this alien and the, the fact that they gave him this sort of like slimy thing. And the fact that – I remember when I was a kid seeing the, um, the acid melting through the floor yeah. and I just thought that is insane. What a crazy <laughs> idea. Like who thought of that? Who was like, oh, you know what? Even if you can cut it. It's blood will kill you. It's
0: the best defense (laughs) mechanism, right?
1: Yeah, and and like like that little that doesn't really come back into the picture at any point. There's there's no point in which that becomes a thing, but it just adds to the terror. You're just like this thing is just pure violence and evil and hate, and it's just like you know it's it's a terrifying thing. The everything about this this picture was clever and new and brilliant. So at the time, I don't know if the chestburster scene, of course it was like one of the most iconic moments in the picture, but it's one of maybe a dozen or so iconic moments in this film. It's just jam-packed full of them.
0: Yeah, the uh, Ron Cobb, who was one of the designers for the overall, you know, the vehicles in Ostromo, he described this movie, and and I love this description, as a bad dream you can't forget. Right, isn't
1: that good? Yeah, I mean, it really is. It really is. I mean, think about the fact that you have the face hugger. That's a that's a completely new idea. I'd never heard of that. You've got you've got this uh, this idea of another dead alien race that have already been destroyed by this alien. You know, in the ship at the beginning, you've got you've got the little thing that bursts out of his stomach, and then. It actually grows quite quickly into an adult. I mean, yeah, it's almost, it, it takes a couple a, of hours to go
0: from from yay big to you know eight foot tall, which is quite impressive. Quite a bit of a bit of a enough, growth you know, spurt movie there. logic. Yeah, but
1: then they've got this idea of like it opens its mouth and then another little mouth comes out of its mouth. I mean, like that's a completely crazy thing. I mean, there's so many things, and then they have a pet cat, which then Jonesy. brings it back to sort of like real life. You know, just like everybody has a pet cat, right? So it's like very relatable in that way. Uh, you know, you, so you take this very unrelatable circumstance and you make it relatable through the acting and through the fact they've got a pet cat and these kind of things. It's just so many crazy ideas in this picture. It's almost like it's, it really is almost unbelievable how brilliant this film is.
0: But not only the, the ideas, we, we have to talk about the execution of the ideas. I yeah. mean, just this scene here, cutting yeah. the face hugger and just that, that second, that laser, the blood comes out straight through the floor. And then afterwards, when the thing dies... And they put it on the, the lab table and they've built it with, I don't know, you know, mussels and oysters and cowbelly or whatever. And Ash is peeling it apart. Dude, I'm sorry. If, that, if aliens existed, they would look like that thing on the table,
1: Chris. Yeah. And, and like I said, they take the time yeah. to show the fascination of the, of the characters of the thing that they're looking at. I think like something like Star Wars, everything in Star Wars is sort of like uh, uh, normal to the characters. Everybody just kind of looks yes. at it. Maybe yes. the lightsaber yes. when Luke first gets the lightsaber. He's like, oh, this is cool. I've never seen one of these before. Right. But this movie is more relatable to a regular human, because if we were in that circumstance and we were introduced to this crazy alien we've never seen before, we would have that same fascination. And they would really take care to. OK, so this, they got the face hugger on. How do we deal with this? How do we take it off? And they take so so long you know they take so much time to try to meticulously try to uh, take this face hugger off of this guy they take so much time in the film to do that but it's totally worth it it totally makes sense because that is reality that's how we would actually act in that circumstance and like you said and they get everything to look just right it's just this film is pure precision from beginning to end
0: and all done chris for eight million dollars not too bad yeah yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. It was originally, a lower budget project. Originally budgeted $4 million, ended up costing <laughs> $8 million. By today's standards, that's, you know, that, that's the craft services. That's the food for the movie. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> this is Making Movies Great Again. I'm Sebastian Gorka. My co host is Chris Coles, host of the Mr. Reagan channel on YouTube. Follow him right now along, as, along with the Alpha Critic. Uh, we are coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. If you're in daily pain, if you've tried everything else and failed to find relief, do what I did more than four years ago. Order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me and $500,000 of your fellow Americans. People like Reggie from Florida. This is Reggie's experience. I have a lot of pain from aging, and after only four days of using Relief Factor, I'm already experiencing less pain and stiffness. Can't wait to see how I feel in a couple more weeks. Relief Factor is a blessing sent by God. Incredible words. Find out for yourself. Call today, 800 or just go to relieffactor.com. You've waited long enough. You deserve to know, what have you got to lose? Nothing. Well, except from the pain. You know it makes sense. Call today, 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. That's 800 500 relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. All right. One moment. Is there a little bit of a, uh, uh, a cheat? Is there a little bit of a uh, lack of subtlety? It's, it's a classic jump scare, although it is creepy even when I watched it this morning. She's sitting in Mother. She's now in control because the captain has been killed. So Ripley becomes from first officer to, to officer in charge, and she goes into Mother. And she finds out about Order 937, the crew is expendable. And suddenly she's breaking down, reading that they're all expendable. And then Ash says hello to her. Somehow, somehow Ash crept into the mother control pod without her knowing. And then she flips up. Is that, is that a cheap jump uh, scare? Or do you think that's
1: just Ripley um, leveling up the, the horror? <laughs> no no it's not cheap it's not cheap uh you need those in these kinds of p- pictures uh because there's so much suspense i mean i would say <clears throat> the vast majority of this project is you're wondering when something scary is going to happen and you're worried about it and you're wondering about it and you need those little moments of relief i think i think it's good uh to me probably the most intense scare or the most sort of unexpected moment is when at the very end the alien hand drops out. Oh, the hand! When the
0: hand comes out from the re- from the escape craft in the black. Exactly. And, and that moment, I I timed it was like more than ten minutes. That whole it must have been hard to shoot because that whole scene was with a strobe. Do you remember? You know, it, yeah, they, yep. they 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 hid the alien, which is beautiful. You you barely see the alien in full form, and there's a strobe going in and out, and then this
1: this hand just ah. Oh. What a moment! What a moment! They, they must have figured out, like, okay, this is a this is an animal, and how do animals act? Right? Animals aren't always hunting. Like predators aren't always hunting. They have to sleep sometimes. Yeah. They have to. Hu- and what do they do when they sleep? They hide away in some kind of like little, co- you know, a protected area. This is exactly what he does. He finds this little cozy place to hide out, and he's sleeping in there. What a crazy idea! Okay, at the end of the movie, she finds it sleeping. Yes. This gives her an opportunity to try to like set things up to 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 kill it, but uh, it's real. It's it's what you really would see. Like uh, if you were trapped in a room with a wild animal, most likely what you're going to find it is probably going to be sleeping. Right. Uh, hopefully, <laughs>
0: uh, but hopefully. And, and, then, and then you get then the you get gun. your trusty spear gun that you keep next to your spacesuit, because ju- all <laughs> all spaceships have spear guns. Um, but this, when she is in the suit. And I give her credit; she's a, she's a huge Libyan anti-gun activist, which is weird given mm-hmm. all the roles she's played. But the singing of "Lucky, Lucky, Lucky, I'm Your Lucky Star," sh- you, you you know, this woman is convinced she's going to die. She's utterly petrified, and then she sings this little song to herself to try and calm her nerves, Chris.
1: Again, yeah. Again, it's like the naturalism of having the animal sleep in a little thing. The naturalism of like, what would somebody do in a situation in which they have to calm their nerves? And they don't know what to, what else to do. So she just sort of like unconsciously singing a song to herself. I mean, it's it, to me, it's like nuts how smart this movie is. Again, like the, these little details. Uh, you know, one thing about the power of this film at the time, it wasn't just that it was like you know cool and had all these smart ideas and everything like that. It's like if you can do something that other people don't think that they can do, people find it impressive, right? That that's like a, a professional skill, something yes, like that. Yes. Right. If I make a film that's just sort of like, you know, me and a camera and I'm walking around the desert or something like that, and I'm, you know, and I I film myself to it, people would say, okay, I could probably make that movie. That's not that impressive. It's it's, it's it, maybe it's a good story, whatever. I don't think anybody watched this movie and thought I could make that movie. <laughs> they thought, how the heck did they do this? This is mind-blowingly impressive, right? Every every moment from the beginning to the end is something that no, nobody can do. Like it's it's kind of it's like mind-boggling. How do you make the models? How do you act this well? How do you create such a brilliant story? How do you create a, an alien that looks like that? everything is so good and so impressive and so professional that i think that audiences at the time were just their minds were just blown watching this and this scene
0: with with the alien being blown out so they they mm. they <sighs> They changed the geography of it. So the, the the ground is actually in the direction of what the alien's going to fall in. And they, they blew water out of the jets. So the lights from the jets were, were actually being intensified by by the water that's been uh, sprayed onto the, the guy in the suit. Um, where do you stand on Ridley Scott? Because I love Ridley Scott. I love Blade Runner. But we're lucky with this movie because if you look at the previous movie, if you look at The Duelists... Ridley was just a visual guy. Um, he, he didn't really talk to his actors. He couldn't give a crap about giving them guidance. That's why Harrison Ford hated him. And he was just this amazing... He, he'd made his name in advertising in the UK doing these iconic advertisements. And and basically, he was a painter. You look at the duelists, and ev- every scene is like a, a painting of, of, of the classic era. Here, what you have is ima- amazing visuals, but then you've got the added creativity of of geiger of rimbaldi of the music of goldsmith plus these actors and a great script
1: so here it's it's like the ultimate recipe isn't it yeah and you know sometimes like you said sometimes you just get lucky yeah and i think that the combination of like whoever was doing the casting for this project and ridley scott's like Hands off approach to the actors, I think, worked really well here. That could have been a disaster in another kind of project, but because these actors were just so dang good, I think le- letting them do what they wanted to do and letting the acting be a little dirty and a little muddy, having people talk over each other, not having the audio always recorded perfectly, um, you know, maybe some of the takes weren't the perfect take. I think that that messiness really creates this because uh, anytime you're doing something into like a fantasy or sci-fi genre, it's not realistic, right? There's nothing realistic right. about this. So you've got to do everything you can to make it believable and naturalistic. And so I, I think that that is accomplished in spades in this picture. And maybe that's – this is such a crazy scene. <laughs>
0: but just also note in addition to the messiness and the darkness – the yeah. moments of precision. If if you haven't seen mm-hmm. this movie in a while or you haven't seen this movie uh, in, in ages, watch the chest burst the scene, not mm-hmm. for what John Hurt does, because, man, he sells it. I mean, after the thing mm-hmm. comes out of his tre- tre- chest, that his twitching hands, I mean, everything. It, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Watch Ian Holm. Watch mm-hmm. Ash's face during the meal that little tells that he knows that Kane has been inseminated. He knows something's... Uh, just just the, the, the fine, fine precision acting on Ian Holmes' face is, is truly remarkable. This is Making Movies Great Again. We are reviewing 1979's Alien. If you haven't seen it in a while, if you haven't seen it all in one go, as my... Co-host said he hasn't until this morning. I'm shocked, but we'll let him off. Do it today. Uh, We are coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating half a million Americans right now, me included. But it's not just me. It's people like Leah from Ohio. One Sunday morning, I sat on my couch in so much pain, I was in tears. That's the day I ordered Relief Factor. Following directions, in eight days, I found relief only to get better and better. I'm a believer 100%. That should be you. That could be you. But there's only one way to find out, and it's super easy. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me Leah, and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. Call today, 800-583-84, relieffactor.com. That's 800-583-84, relieffactor.com. All right, can't believe we are almost near the end of our discussion. Um, I want to go back right to the beginning of the movie. First things first, this morning when I switched it on, do you know what it's like you're a little bit older than me, but I think it applies to you. When you, watch, when you watch an old movie and you see the animation of the 20th Century Fox logo and the searchlights and the drums, it's like you know you're into something. When you see that classic
1: Fox intro from the 80s, you're in for a good time, right? I'm so glad you brought that up because I, the same, I thought exactly the same thing. I just thought, man, this is such a beautiful... Introduction it brings back so many fond memories right. and it 's so strange to think that this movie was filmed forty three years ago oh forty four years ago it came out forty three years ago wow. yeah't that crazy wow. and it doesn't it doesn 't really feel like it it 's a timeless film really I mean you could watch it today and if you had the patience and you weren 't completely like you know brainwashed by modern cinema <laughs> you you could really you know you could really yeah. enjoy this and think that this is a modern classic or or you know from the last ten years or something. It's just – it's just, – it's, I don't know. That era had such – there's something magical about films from the late, late 70s, early 80s uh, like this, Indiana Jones, a lot of the films we talk about on this this uh, program. Uh, there, there's a magic that is lost. I don't know how you get it back. Maybe it's lost partly due to the computer-generated graphics that we now uh-huh. have in film and cinema. Um, they kind of did something like this in Stranger Things, and the way they did it was just by copying the way films were made yes. in the 80s. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know how you get that grandness of cinema back, but there is there should be a way, and hopefully we find it. Good good writing. I mean, it's got to start with a good story and good writing. I think you're right. And in
0: the right. beginning, after we've seen the credits roll, just that whole, whatever it was, five, six-minute opening of, of the ship slowly coming to life, yeah? The lights coming on, the computer switching on, the hibernation chambers opening, people groggily getting up. The pacing is so unlike anything
1: today, but it's just subtle and it works. Well, they they take so much time for the set design, for the models, for all this kind of stuff. They want to show it off. They want to show off the thing that they think nobody has ever seen before. Now I feel like people think, okay, everybody's seen everything, (laughs) so we'll just quickly show all the stuff, and then we'll get to the, the story. And back then they understood okay this you know in order to get to sell this model we got to move everything very slowly to make it look much bigger than it actually is right. you know we've got to give weight to it we've got to give a grandiose moment and it, it they do tend to try to do that they do kind of mimic that in in modern films a little bit but i think because of the computer generated nature of everything it's uh, things are a little bit quicker paced things don't take that time to really show the detail and and emphasize, you know, this is an important moment. Um, Yeah, for sure. I think you're right, though, when it comes to how do you actually make – get that magic back of like an 80s film. I do think that it comes down to story S- yeah, and script. Stories yeah. and scripts.
0: Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned that ties into uh, what happened after Aliens is the space jockey, which is, I love this in movies when there's something that just grabs you. It's like, whoa, what is that? No explanation, mm-hmm. zero backstory. It's like, allow your imagination to just run wild. This huge figure looks like some kind of elephant man in a, in a cockpit, his chest burst open. This will lead the way to following movies, including the recent ones mm-hmm. like. Covenant and everything else but uh the ones that came after this i have to say cameron and aliens Uh, i can watch this movie any day of the week it's on my phone if i'm on a plane i want to have some fun uh, i'll watch aliens and then we have three and then we have resurrection any comments you'd like to make on the rest of the universe mr cole's
1: uh, unfortunately, I did see Alien <laughs> Resurrection in the movie theater. Uh, we don't need to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a traumatic moment in my life. Uh, I will say again with Aliens, a lot of people consider Aliens to be a superior film to Alien. Uh, and I will say that I have not seen that all the way through either. What? <laughs> I, again, I've seen it in bits. I've never seen the full thing
0: all the way through. You cannot be the co-host of this show unless you watch it this weekend, all right? It's a a very different film. It's a different genre. It's, you know, like a a war movie in space, but it's lots Mm -hmm. of fun, lots of fun. Um, And
1: then Alien 3, did you see that on the prison planet? Many years ago. I saw it when I was quite young, but I have seen that one all the way through. But I don't really remember it 100%. All
0: right. We, We will save aliens for another day. But this is the time where we... A- any final words on the original Alien?
1: No, just one of the one of the greatest films ever made and everybody needs to watch it. Yeah, make time, switch off the phone and just watch it. I
0: watched the director's cut that has an extra scene uh, with, with Captain Dallas. Uh, you can choose whichever you want to watch. There's no big difference between the directors and the theatrical. But watch the movie. Next, I think I get to choose... Yep. I've mentioned it enough times before. Let's stay in the wheelhouse of a certain cigar-smoking commercial director, Ridley Scott. We're probably going to have to dedicate three hours to this one because it's my favorite. Are you ready for some Blade
1: Runner, Mr. Reagan? (laughs) You're never going to believe this. I've never seen that all the way through from beginning to end. (laughs) Well, we're going to edumacate you. We are going to edumacate you (laughs)
0: here on America First. Trouble here is there's like 48 different versions out there. Well, there's actually five
1: versions. I will try to find the theatrical, the original theatrical. Try and
0: watch the theatrical that has the voiceover because I think the voiceover really – Harrison Ford may have hated doing it. But it, 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 it is what makes it that kind of modern sci-fi noir when you've got the detective doing the voiceover like Bogey or, or anybody else, or Robert Mitchum. So either that one or the directors without, without the voiceover, either one, we can discuss them. And next time, it's going to be Blade Runner. We may have to carve out a little extra time for that one. In the meantime, follow this man, Mr. Reagan's YouTube channel, Mr. Reagan USA on Twitter, also the Alpha Critic as well. I'm Sebastian Gorka. We've been making movies. Movies great again. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. Our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget
1: what they did here. I have a dream liberty
0: Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
1: I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. you
0: and the people... Yeah! And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon.
1: And we will make America great!
0: This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. Now, one of the issues that's dogged you is is that of your relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Do you regret the relationship that you maintained with him against Melinda's advice and wishes?
1: Oh, I've said that I'm... I mean, this is... You're going way back in Mm -hmm. time. But, yeah, I... I, New audience. I will say for the, you know, over hundred time, yeah, I shouldn't have had uh, dinners with him.
0: Um, Epstein had a way of sexually compromising people. Is that what Melinda was warning you about?
1: No. I mean, it, it's... No, I, I had dinner with him, uh, and that's all.
0: And that you regret the relationship, the acquaintance?
1: That I had dinner with him. Mm.
0: And, and the relationship between
1: the foundation and Epstein, which... There was... never was any relationship of any kind.
0: How many times did he say dinner? Isn't it a bit hey, Mr G, isn't it weird that Bill Gates there being interviewed I guess in Australia they do real journalism, that he keeps saying that he did he had dinner with Jeffrey Epstein. Why does he say dinner so often? But he didn't mention how many dinners was the key thing I thought. He made it sound like it was just one dinner and I think there was multiple. But he focuses on the word dinner, like he's trying to avoid talking about something else he did with Epstein? Yes, it was very creepy the way, too. He was not very comfortable. In he, didn't, he, he, and he, had, he had a weird kind of grin, like a creepy kind of, oops, I better not talk about the other stuff grin. Exactly. He did not want to get into that. He was not enjoying that. Bill, 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 stop telling us what we should eat and how many vaccines should be forced upon us and tell us the truth about you on Lolita Island with your buddy, Jeffrey Epstein, who, by the way, can I just remind everybody, when, you know, the, um, the jet set on Lolita Express, we're hanging out with Epstein. He was already a convicted pedophile. Yeah, he'd gone to prison. Gone to prison for having sex with underage girls. Uh, let me just do a quick survey of the team. Eric, how many pedophiles do you hang out with? Can I say less than zero? <laughs> nice answer. Uh, Alex, how many pedophiles do you hang out with? Well, let's, let's make it easy. How many pedophiles have you had dinner with? None. None. Oh, what about Guy? How about you? Uh, zero, I guess. You, I think you need <laughs> to be more than I guess. I think zero is the number we're looking for here. Yeah. Mr. G, let's just fill out the team. How many pedophiles have you had dinner with or other things? None. Well, that's as it should be. I, too, have never had dinner or anything else with a pedophile. Why would anyone... Who knows? He's a convicted pedophile. Hang out with him on his private jet, having dinner or otherwise. Bill, Bill, Bill. Welcome, dear friends. I think it's Monday. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. So much to discuss. It has not been a quiet news weekend. We want to hear from you because you are the most important part of the show. Somebody's already called in. I haven't even invited you to call in. But that's a good sign. The number is 83333 Gorka. That's 833 334 6752. That's 833 334 6752. Let me just sound off on one thing. Um, I don't know if it makes much of a difference for me to give my opinion on, on Ty and Nichols, the death of Ty and Nichols, but it is driving the new cycle as a broadcaster, I I guess, by dint of the fact that it's driving the new cycle. I need to say something about it. I'm not a former law enforcement officer. I've trained literally thousands of law enforcement officers in, in a counterterrorism context. I served in the British Army Reserve, so that's my understanding of use of force or the escalation of the use of force. But I've watched the video. Of that arrest, uh, the breaking news is a sixth officer <clears throat> has also been uh, suspended and I think potentially charged as a result of that incident. so first things first, let me respond to some of my um, conservative friends in the media that have commented and have even recorded little you know Instagram videos about well, if only he'd resisted arrest no I- I'm sorry. Yeah, it is wise, very wise, whatever skin color you are, whatever skin color the arresting officer is, to comply with the orders of a police officer. But even if you don't comply or something goes wrong, doesn't justify having your head kicked in multiple times while you're on the ground and you've been restrained. I'm sorry, there there is no scenario in which you're on the ground, you've been restrained by four other burly officers, and a fifth one kicks you in the head repeatedly, bends down and punches you, wails at your skull. No, sorry, okay? Even if you've resisted arrest, the individual has been subdued. The individual is on the ground. He has been restrained. There is no scenario at which you can wail into that person's cranium, whether they uh, resisted or not. Now, I can imagine circumstances where the force is overdone, but very select examples. For example, Say a police officer has just seen his partner shot and killed in front of him, and he loses control. They've been partners for five years, and during the arrest, he uses more force than necessary. I, I can understand it. It doesn't justify it one iota, but it is a human response that somebody you care for, somebody you respect, somebody you might love, you know, in, in a professional, platonic sense, has died in front of you, been run over by a, a driver that, that tried to escape a scene. And while restraining them, it, you just lose control. But what we saw there with those five black officers, let me be clear the five black officers. Wasn't wasn't that scenario. He tried to evade them. That is true. But I suspect, and I will be proven correct or wrong as the case develops, that there's something deeper here. Either these individuals, two of whom were hired after the police department significantly lowered the bar for joining the department, either they shouldn't have been police officers, or there's a backstory here. Just like we know with George Floyd that the arresting officer who knelt on his neck knew him well. They had both worked together. Nobody talks about this. They had both worked together as security, as bouncers at the same nightclub. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Kind of backstory there. What, what was the history between George Floyd and the officer who knelt on his neck for nine minutes? I suspect there may be something to this as well, that all five officers or several of those five officers likewise had some history with this individual. Or something had happened that day that riled them up, that meant that these individuals were looking for trouble, were looking to abuse somebody, to let off steam, to use violence, which is never permissible for an officer of the law. There's no excuse. You don't go looking for trouble. You may have had a bad day, but the point of what you're doing is to serve, is to protect. So uh, we'll keep you tuned. Six officer has been embroiled in this case that will probably end up, if justice is blind, uh, with the convictions of uh, several or all of those officers for some kind of maybe second degree, third degree homicide. But that's my take. I'm Sebastian Gorka. We have an amazing show for you today. And also, Third Hour, Making Move, He's Great Again, with a classic from the 80s. You do not want to miss it. This is the Salem News Channel. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss any of our one-on-ones. It's super easy. Go to Spotify, plug in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. Leave us a five-star review. Yes, it matters. And share the links with your friends. Likewise, if you're really America First, you've got to check out the amazing America First gear at SebGawkerStore.com. Hottest selling item is still the FBI t-shirt, jointly released with Chris Plant. Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. The latest is our Elon Musk t-shirt hashtag Twitter files. Are you paying attention? SebGorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A (laughs) store.com.